morning, Gator Nation. Welcome back to the In All Kinds of Weather forecast. I am your host, Neil Shulman. You can follow me on Twitter at All Kinds Weather, on Instagram at All Kinds Weather Blog, and on Facebook and YouTube under the name In All Kinds of Weather. My co-host Dustin Smith with me today. You can follow him on Twitter at IAKOW Dustin. And we have pinned down and are going to speak with Ben Chase today who has set a record for attending 77 college football games in a single season. You heard me correctly, 77 college football games in one season. If you're not familiar with his journey, you could go to his Twitter page at Ben G Chase to see his full itinerary, the list of games he attended with proof of him going to each of those games, the pictures of him in the stands at each one. It is just an absolutely unbelievably ambitious journey that he embarked on and completed and actually exceeded his goal. He wanted to go to 60 in a single season and he wound up going to 77, almost a third more than he was originally shooting for. Before we talk to him though, got to quickly shout out our sponsors slash partners. We are proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, which sends underprivileged Gator fans to the swamp. We collect donations from fans and use them to bring someone to his or her first ever Florida Gator football game. All expenses paid. If you believe that you or someone you know is worthy of the honor for 2023, please email us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. If you would like to donate to our cause, donations are always very much appreciated. Please go to our website, GatorGoodFoundation.com and click on the donate button. Second, we're proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting in your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it is web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are three great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. Number one, it is a veteran-owned business. Can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. Two, it's run by a UF alum and big-time Gator fan. And three, they've got the personal stamp of approval from in all kinds of weather because they did our new logo. They did our new website. They did the Gator Good Foundation website. They did the Gator Collective logo, the Gator Collective website, and they do the marketing for the Charleston Gator Club. And they still got more Gator-related projects coming up over the horizon. So if you're listening to this podcast and your business needs assistance in any of the aforementioned areas, Stingray Branding will more than take care of you. To learn about their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. So Ben Chase set a record for the most college football games attended in a single season with 77. Initially, the goal was 60, but being the ambitious guy he is, he just completely shattered that. And now he's been hired by the University of Florida itself to assist them with their NIL endeavors. We'll get into all that very shortly. But Ben, first things first, we got to talk about your psychic abilities because we had you on for the Florida USF podcast and you quite literally called the Jalen Kimber pick six. So I got to start the show by giving you an opportunity to showcase that ability. (laughs) I mean, you got any other predictions you want to you want to call any other shots? Uh, I mean, <laughs> that was that was crazy. So I, I for those that you know, don't listen to that podcast, uh, you know, they do the like, what's one thing you want to see? Or, what, what was the top, the actual like co- topic, like one thing you want to see? Yeah, give uh, us the key to the game was the yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I uh, I said that you know I'd really like to see 
you know, Kimber get a pick. I didn't say pick six, but I mean, that, that was, and that was a huge turning point in that game. You know, like we were struggling and, uh, and I, I mentioned it cause one of my best friends is named Kimber. She, uh, she's in Orlando. She's a Gator. Uh, she actually met her my, my, my first year at UF before she transferred uh, to a, a nursing school. But yeah, so it was kind of like a little wink to her if she was listening or wanted to check it out and it worked out for us. I, you know, any other prediction wise, I can't, I mean, I, no idea. Hopefully, you know, our, our, uh, our recruiting classes going forward or you know, top, you know, you know, top six. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. It was still impressive to call a pick because it's very, it's not like guys record interceptions every week. So still to have that one, um, to have, to have the player, right. was definitely, definitely yeah. impressive. So uh, uh, hopefully when I, hopefully I get to meet him and I can uh, tell him that story. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, you should. I'll I'll set that up. I'll set that up with him. Uh, he, he's got it. He's got to meet the guy that that literally called it in advance. So, uh, first things first, the journey. And I want to start by painting a picture of exactly who you are, because I would tell my friends and relatives, uh, you know, yeah, I'm I'm friends with this guy Ben. Uh, you know, Ben Chase. He's setting a record by going to sixty college football games in one season. And the most common response I got was. You know, this guy doesn't do anything else. This guy doesn't work. Wow, this guy has no life. But in reality, your professional resume is very, very impressive. So we're going to get into the job you, you currently have or the job you're about to start in a little bit. But yeah. tell us about what, you know, more about what you went to school for, what you're interested in, and about your, yeah. your pre-COVID work endeavors. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you know, for those uh, out there curious of who I am as a person, I didn't go to college until I was 21. I helped take care of my dad. Uh, my mom and dad got divorced when I was about two and I worked at Disney full time. And then, uh, I got kind of fed up and my friend Lisa, I was, I got in an argument with her. She was you know, a professional intern at universe or Disney and was sad about making you know, twice as much money as me. And she said, if you're not happy with your life, you should do something about it. And that day at her apartment uh, at Disney world, uh, they were, she was in the college program or whatever. I applied to college, went to Valencia, went straight through, uh, the only college I applied to to transfer to was Florida. I actually got in uh, to UF on the, the 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 walk between Magic Kingdom and Contemporary Resort. I stopped in my tracks and started crying. And, uh, you know, the, that next – and it was, like I said, it was the only place I applied to. So I got, went to UF, uh, you know, came here, business economics, interned uh, uh, in the area. And then I went straight to law school in D.C., a top 20 law school, George Washington. I, you know, interned. Uh, the U.S. Department of Education, doing compliance uh, for some judges there. I, you know, I worked for an education consulting firm, a for-profit place. So I did, you know, both, you know, our government and you know, firm life. After law school, I came down to Florida, worked for uh, a few law firms there, but I didn't really like it. <laughs> and uh, in February 2020, I was flown out to L.A. to uh, inter in interview with a, a huge YouTuber right now. I think he has nine million subscribers at the time. I think he had about seven, seven point seven and a half. And I was going to be kind of his chief of staff, right? So I, I was flowing out in February. My plan, the plan was to, you know, start in August of 2020. But then March 2020 came, COVID hit, and it kind of took away that opportunity. But ever since then, you know, I've been tapped into trying to become, you know, some, somewhere in the creator economy, uh, you know, um, with my profession and my you know, consulting and all that. And, you know, then 2021 came, NIL became a thing. So that's literally just you know, creator economy and, and marketing, but for, you know, student athletes, right? So uh, I, I got a job in November of 2021, uh, helping change uh, the, 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 this NIL. They do 
collective management, consulting, and uh, basically operations from from launch to running. And uh, helped them pivot. They wanted to be a marketplace app, like an open doors or a market price market price founded by a Florida Gator. Shout out Jason. And uh, I was like, yeah, the, this tech isn't what we want. So I helped pivot the company, uh, and we helped launch uh, collectives at Arizona Football, uh, you know, Gonzaga Basketball, UNLV. When I was leaving, I was finishing up their new, the new Penn State Collective. And uh, yeah, so, you know, in August, I, I left that company and I was interviewing with some other NIL startups and, uh, you know, they wanted me, but they wanted to raise money you know, in startups. It takes money. So uh, I was like, all right, well, I'll wait it out. I applied uh, to, you know, actually, I applied to this job before the road trip. It was uh, publicly on August 16th. And, you know, I, I said, if I don't hear back by this day, I'm going to do this road trip and I'll you know, figure it out on the road. I consulted for, uh, and then I ended up just meeting, you know, ADs and alumni and, and, and adjuncts and then administrators on my trip. And, you know, I, I would, you know, whenever I had free time, I'd hop on a call while I'm driving and, you know, talk to, you know, people in my position or, you know, about to start my position uh, at other schools. So, you know, this is an uh, industry I've been tapped into for a while. Uh, you know, I've helped, you know, do six figure deals for student athletes or, or help them set up opportunities for them to earn six figures over, you know, a course of a year or two. Uh, so this is this is what I do, and I'm excited to do it for my university. Finally, very exciting. So we all know about your trip. Of course, there's countless college football games every Saturday, and even uh, throughout the weekend and Thursdays and Fridays. Of course, how did you develop your itinerary for going to all these games? What was your method? Yeah, that's a good question. So I mean, before the trip. I sat down and I just opened up ESPN.com and I looked at FCS, FBS, everything, every the schedule for every week. I came up with this original kind of soft outline of a 60, 62 games. And also it was based around, I had three weddings this fall, but they were all on Sundays, right? So I was at least able to make sure that, all right, whatever Saturday game, I'm going to be as close as possible to that. So I had one in Sarasota. So I went to a USF game. I had one in Atlanta, went to a Auburn game, one in DC, went to a Penn State game. So that was kind of the bones. And then, you know, I just looked at the first game of the week. What game was on, you know, the beginning? It was Thursday. Could I get to that game from Saturday or where I was? If it was, And then when Maction started, it was what game is on Tuesday or Wednesday, right? So that's kind of the way that that took off. Yeah, so if I remember correctly, you were trying to do 60 games. You shattered that. So yeah. where did this idea for doing all for attending all these games, where did this start? Yeah, I mean, uh, for those that have followed me on Gator Twitter, you know, I've done these kind of crazy road trips from Orlando to College Station, D.C. to Gainesville. And in college, I was the guy that drove us to Baton Rouge for LSU games. And, uh, you know, one of my friends every year would send me the College Football Ultimate Road Trip map. And uh, he was like, you got to do it, you got to do it, you got to do it. And, uh, you know, timing happened. And I, I actually last summer I looked at the possibilities of doing it, but I didn't pull the trigger. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, between interviewing for jobs and kind of just being like, I need to do something. I need some energy in my life. I, I gave myself a deadline. If I don't have some kind of very tangible opportunity or a follow-up interview, I'm going for it. So that's kind of where it, it started and, and it kind of took off, obviously. I started with 62. I was able to add seven games because I did double Saturdays. A few games because of Hurricane Ian and you blink and 77. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's I mean that's that, like that's just unbelievable to me. That's that's literally impossible to believe that you can go to 77 games in a single college football season because it's not like it's baseball where it's stretched out over the course of you know 
seven months or so, and there's games every day. Yeah, I mean, Maction will help. Week zero, I guess, helps. Conference championship week, you know, Army-Navy, I guess, the bowl season is spread out. But it's just so – it's unbelievable that you just spend, you know, every week, most days of every week, traveling to or attending college football games. It is literally the dream of most, if not all, college football fans to do that, and, and you pull it off. So – I mean, I guess my next yeah. question is, we all have ideas for ambitious trips or journeys at some point in our lives, but at some juncture, there comes a stumbling block, or in some cases, just, I guess, too many stumbling blocks that just kills the whole idea. Something that so, something will just come along that makes you realize, I cannot possibly do this. And I'm sure that you came across some potential stumbling blocks of this nature as well. So I guess the question is, how does this go from just being an idea that just, you know, a dream or pie in the sky to something that you actually pull off? How does dream become reality here? Well, uh, for me, I'm someone who, uh, you know, I listen to a lot of you know, creators and, and, and different opportunities where, you know, people that are your high level, high succeed, successful people. And it's one of those things you just got to do it. You know, you talk about it, you plan it, whatever. But, um, you know, I have a, a saying that I gather, uh, I got from this, uh, this YouTube guy who helps other YouTubers succeed. And he says, start before you're ready and punch fear in the face. Right. So I wasn't really ready. I didn't have the money for it. Uh, and I just, it's like, I'm just going to do it. I, I believe that if you tell people where you want to go, they're going to help you get there. Right. So like, I told everyone on Twitter <laughs> and I told all my friends on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, I went to 77 games. I only paid for 14 of them. And, uh, you never, I never asked for money. I never started to go fund me, which is something like everyone said, Oh, you got to do that. You got to do that. No, I was like, no, it'll work itself out. People sent me money. Don't get me wrong, but I never asked for it. Like I was always grateful. I sent out 90 thank you cards at the beginning. And, you know, when I have downtime before I pass out every night, I'll be sending out more. Um, but it, it definitely wasn't like all me. It was it was a wee thing very quickly. You know, I had someone uh, named Omar. He would help me like look to see what the time because the, the times for these games don't drop until six or twelve days before. So when I'm driving, my friend Omar will like look and say, "Hey Ben, the the times for you know Michigan game drop. I'm gonna see what games are close by if you want to try to double dip." That's like, oh, cool. So you know he sends me a list of, of, of games that are in the area, and then I I double check and see if if, if we missed any games and. And I was like, all right, well, maybe we do this one. And we were able to go to Michigan after that. So little things like that, like it, it really became a community. I had people that I met, you know, games week zero. I met my friend David at week zero and he came with me to uh, the, the Sun Bowl, <laughs> you know, in bowl season, right? So like just it, it, it really became, you know, a family of people that, you know, they say this is their dream. And the last thing I wanted to do is like, you know, a lot of people would subtweet me saying, oh, look at this guy living my dream. Well, I don't want you to pay for <laughs> the dream, you know, so like that's another part. I was very stubborn when it came to that. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, the the part that how did it become reality? I just took the leap of faith. You know, I have no regrets. I have a lot of credit card debt, but definitely uh, uh, had hard times. You know, I had 60 bucks in my bank account at one point. I, you know, Betty wiped my van. The, the transmission died at one point. But it was, am I going to let this, this, you know, bring me down or can I, uh, my mind mindset was always if I can get through September, I'll get through October. If I can get through October, I get through November. And that's, you know, I, I would hold my breath and be like, I got five days left in the month. And then I find new energy to keep going. So that was part of it too. Yeah, that's that's just a willpower level that I'm not sure exists in the common man, but you're obviously not the common man. You're better than the common man. So at what point did you start to become famous? Uh, and I guess the the sub question is 
at what point did you realize that this was going to be something that was actually going to take off? Like there's difference between like people realizing what you're doing and then just going, Oh, cool. You know, you know, like the yeah. tweet, move on and then just <laughs> go on to the next thing versus now it's something that people are never going to forget. Like at what point did those two things happen? Yeah. So I don't consider myself famous at all, but I will consider myself like in like college football, like sickos, like a D list celebrity. Uh, and you know, the first time it hit me that, Oh, I'm doing this was actually the Tuesday of week one. So I went to the game in New Mexico state week zero and I'm driving across the country. And all of a sudden I get a DM from the producer of SEC in the morning. He's like, Hey man, I see what you're doing. Would you like to come on the show? I've been to one game. He goes, yeah, but you seem to know what you're doing and got some SEC games coming up. <laughs> I was like, uh okay uh so like that made me say like oh i've already you know i have to do it you know you know week one when people are already like yo reaching out to me and then from you know the i think the weird the like aha moments i had or, or, or the times where it was very surreal or you know i was at miami of ohio the second game of the day uh, actually the first game i went to miami ohio then or not no, no sorry ohio university and then i went to uh, ohio state I took a lap of, of, the, of the stadium. I just sat down there, the, like the green, a green hill that you can kind of sit down. And I maybe sat down for thirty seconds, and I hear a guy go, "Benji Chase." I was like, "It's like I just saw you on our like local news, and I wanted to come say hi." And that was like really crazy. And then you know, just at the um, the Cotton Bowl, that was the that was the craziest time. So the Cotton Bowl was USC and, and Tulane, and I'm about to go into the stadium, and I. I'm on my phone. I have my hoodie on because my hair was terrible. And uh, this guy comes up to me and goes, hey, do you mind taking our picture? Wait, you're Ben. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I like, I had my hoodie on. He like tapped my shoulder. I turned over. And he like recognized me. He didn't know that I, who I was until he saw me. Like, I, So it was like crazy. He was like, can you take my picture? And he's like, oh, also, can we get a picture together? So that was like, that was crazy. And then, I mean, from like a social standpoint, when – uh you know, when I was at the Western Kentucky game and there was like a screen grab of like in game, that was a screen grab. And then three year letterman on Twitter, like tweeted it and was like, this guy's an American hero. And he's like, I can't believe this guy's following me. Uh, so like him, I mean, he has like 420,000 followers now. I think at that point he had probably like 380, but that really like, I mean, that my phone almost caught on fire. It was so hot. I just turned it off. <laughs> my cousin was one of those people, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, your cousin was definitely one of those people that uh, I ran into. That was that was definitely cool. I think for for all three of us, for for me to know that she ran into you, for you to to meet family of mine. I mean, we'd met at a uh, Florida Utah, but just to yeah. just to see that you know it's a, it's a small world, I guess. Yeah, and I, I saw her at the Tulane game and at the Cotton Bowl. That was, I mean, it was cool to follow up with her. She was super excited about the win, and I just was like, "Go have fun." <laughs> We, we need final statistics from you. We need to go, um, I, I guess, I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll go through them one by one because I have a lot of statistics that currently have little X's or question marks next to them as opposed to numbers. So we know 77 games. How many miles did you drive total? Yeah, so I think between uh, Betty and Barry White, it, it was 60,230. Like I have it written down. Uh, on my notes app, but I can. I think it's sixty. I, I know it's just over sixty thousand. I think it's sixty thousand two hundred thirty, and it was six hundred no, six thousand nine three hundred and ninety six in Barry. So the rest were in Barry. Okay, okay. 
Uh, it's, it's a lot. That in-game screen grab you referenced was already at like 45,000. And I know, I know yeah. you eclipsed 55. Uh, yeah, absolutely insane. Um, so you used two cars. We know you talked about Betty blowing a transmission in the middle of Georgia. That was lucky for you. It could have been in the middle of nowhere where you didn't know anybody, but Atlanta, you've got yeah. people. Yeah, I know. I got really lucky with that. It could have been in Montana like a week before. It could have been so many different places. So what was your longest single drive from game to game? And how long was it? Um, it was, you know, Orlando to San Jose. So that was 42 hours and 41 minutes. And I had to, I only had like 40 five hours to do it or so so i drove i was a wednesday night game that was rescheduled uh from hurricane ian at ucf and then the friday night game in san jose so that's i mean if you go on google maps right now i think the drive is like 40 hours or 30 minutes so you can think about how much sleep i got not much <laughs> uh, i actually yeah. got to san jose with three hours left and i the little thing i was like i don't know like don't text me. Don't call me. I'm taking a nap. I, that was one of the funniest little hype videos. I didn't want to try my life. And, uh, and I passed out. Uh, uh, someone got me a hotel, and then uh, I went to the game. And that was that was a special one for sure. I actually found a baseball at the game, so I have a baseball uh, from that game in my in my uh, in Betty. That's just crazy to me that that you drive. You have 45 hours to go from Orlando to San Jose, California. They're quite literally, I guess, like Seattle, but just about diagonal opposites of the continent yeah and you do it all straight i mean you how long did you spend in the hotel how many hours did you sleep it was like a two or three hour nap i had food i I, what i did was when i was about 30 minutes outside of the hotel i had food like strategically ordered and it it was delivered 45 seconds before i checked in so i it was i think it was chicken wings or something just checked in they're like oh yeah your food just got here it's on the table behind you grab that food go upstairs Eat, strip down, shower, pass out, and then go to the game. Un- it's it, it's yeah. unreal. It's well, just unreal. Well, that didn't. And well, originally I didn't have that UCF game. I was actually planning to go to uh, from Atlanta. Was, that, that was when I had the wedding in Atlanta. So the wedding in Atlanta was on Sunday. I woke up in a Walmart parking lot on Monday, and I just was like scrolling ESPN scores, uh, and I was like, "There's a UCF game on Wednesday," and. I uh, I looked at the the timing of it and I just jokingly I was like, well, I can make it, so let's just make this a game. So I said, if this tweet gets sixty nine retweets, I'll go to the UCF game and then drive across the country. And obviously, they got that pretty quickly. And I was on my way to Orlando, and the rest is history. You ever tell anybody on Twitter get sixty nine likes, it's going to get a hundred thousand within moments. Yeah, yeah, that's just how that works. <laughs> yeah, um, I did it a few times. Yeah, and and it, and it got the number immediately like within seconds yeah. <laughs> like literally 45 to 60 seconds tops it got that many likes it was unbelievable um so how many times did the home team slash the team you're rooting for win mm, i think in the regular season i was like 30 24 and like well like i uh straight up i think it was like 30 and and maybe 22 there's what 50 there's 50 um six games before 57 games before the pac 12 championship so i i may have been like 33 and 24 or something uh before before the regular before when the regular was done and then uh bowl season there was a part the very end of bowl season 
Iowa's going for dogs, and they won outright five or six games in a row. It may have been five in a row, and that was kind of crazy. So the, the teams I rooted for definitely came out on top. Uh, and, I mean, during the bowl season, obviously, if I'm going for underdogs, it's hard to say that. But I definitely – maybe maybe bowl season was a push, if anything, but because of the regular season, I definitely came out on top of the teams I was rooting for. So what was the most expensive ticket you had to pay for? I mean, the national championship. <laughs> that was. And how much uh, was that? That was like a. I bought it early because I didn't want to. I didn't want Ohio State, and Michigan to get in the price to go up. So it was. It was like a thousand dollars. Wow. So I got. To, I paid a thousand dollars to see my my arch rival win the national championship in the worst blowout in you know bowl history. So it was oh awesome. God. Loved it. Uh, but before that, it was. I paid uh, uh, two hundred for Alabama, Texas, and like. 200 and like 30 for the iron bowl so basically the both games with alabama were expensive but like i said i mean the rest of them were were uh, you know relatively cheap that's that's ridiculous thousand dollars your favorite stadium to visit was what uh i mean like i think i was the my favorite time being hosted was probably washington state uh my most uh surprising stadium or like atmosphere with Baylor and the stadiums that I would go back to again pretty easily. I mean, always Auburn, Penn State whiteout. Um, stadium I would avoid is any any early game at UT Austin. I, it was the hottest game of the season. There were people stealing bags of ice and bringing them into the stadium. Wow. Okay. Noted. I mean, is, there, is, is that really any worse than it is in the swamp, though? Is it- I mean – Probably not. It was it was it was as bad as any as the hottest day in the swamp. And I think the hottest one I remember in the swamp was a that bandy game where I think we won like nine to six or whatever, six to three or that was nine seven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a hot one. I think the worst that anyone has said on record was two thousand ten South Florida. But yeah, I mean Vandy people were very uh very, very uncomfortable for too. So the 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 only time I've been to uh Doge was actually when Boise State came and they came back from down like 17 to win. That was probably the hottest game I've ever been to in my life. There were people passing out and they didn't have the right water structure. But we yeah. Boise State won, so that was uh that was good. <laughs> 31 to 13 up and they blew it in the second half. Yeah, yeah. That was great. Um that game wasn't even supposed to be there. That was supposed to be in Jacksonville, but the hurricane. Yeah, yeah. that's the only it. reason I went. It was ten dollars admission and you can sit anywhere. So I drove oh. up with some friends. Very nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you got to see Boise win. That was that was fun. Um, so what was the loudest stadium you visited in totality from kickoff to final whistle? And related question, what was the loudest moment that you experienced? Oh, so a lot of I mean the loudest stadium, uh, like entire game wise. Uh, I mean, it had to be a game that was close the whole time. So either uh, you know, Alabama at Texas or TCU at Baylor. Uh, the, I was actually pleasantly surprised. Well, I, was, I wouldn't say pleasantly, but I was surprised at how loud Ohio State was in a blowout. You know, that I, I went to the game where they played um, Wisconsin, and they were up like thirty something, and they were still loud. No one left. Like they were complaining about every call up thirty. So shout out to them for being petty and staying and not leaving early. And then um, the loudest individual moment. Uh, it may be crazy to say it, but it was probably when you know Florida State blocked that extra point against LSU. I was all the Florida State. Stuff. 
And, uh, you know, there's 40,000 40, Florida State fans at that game. And mind you, it wasn't a full stadium, but that moment. I mean, uh, the Florida pick, too. I mean, you know, uh, the Utah game, that one. We intercepted that. That was up there, too. Those are probably the two, ironically, our rival fan bases. Uh, you wouldn't say that the Swamp is as loud as any of those other places. Okay. Well, I mean, the Swamp is home, so it's like – Okay, fair I, enough. There's, there's like a – There's a bias uh, there. Yeah, I mean, like from like a, you know, loud moments, uh, the first five minutes of uh, – I went to a night game at Virginia Tech and it was sold out. And from like Inter-Sandman until the first time uh, West Virginia punted, it was as loud as anywhere in the country. And it's loud. And, uh, but, yeah, those are, those are definitely the ones uh, at the top of the list. So, two more, that and that one leads me into one of them. What was the greatest college football tradition that you got to be a part of? Like me individually, or just got the experience. The ones that you got to experience. Yeah. What was the greatest college football tradition that you got to experience? I think the most special tradition that I got to experience and I appreciated was um, actually at Baylor. They have this uh, tradition called the Baylor Line, and uh, they've been doing it since 1971, I believe. And basically, every year, the freshman class has to be or- – they get orientated and they can opt in to do- being part of Baylor Line. And they get a jersey, a gold jersey with the year they graduate on it. And before the game, they run across the field and surround the tunnel that the players run out of. And then they get front row seats in the student section. And, like, it's just really cool. And I got I looked into the history of it. And it used to be just freshman boys. And then in 94, it became you know, everyone. And then our freshman boys and girls – and then – they did like throwbacks where they had all these women sign up. And then they, I think they had the most underrated tradition. So every down um, on defense, they do their bear call and they're like, oh. And when the ball snapped, they all go sick of bears every defensive play. Like that's the only school in the country that has something on every defensive play. And I thought that was really cool and very underrated. But like, I mean, dotting the eye and stuff like that, that's cool. Uh, you know, whiteout is an all timer. But I just really liked the, you know, the underappreciated parts of Baylor. Um, so that's probably what I'd say. Is oh, and then I jumped in the lake at, at uh, Duck Pond in App State. I think that I mean, they have a thing. If we win, we swim. So I jumped in the, the, the pond after they won their game. So I think that's probably up there too. You're really living, man. You're really living. <laughs> um, so what was the greatest game you saw? TCU's walk-off, Mayday field goal, TCU beating Michigan, uh, Miami coming back, uh, Miami of Ohio coming back against Ball State uh, down – Six to seventeen with five minutes left. Winner goes to the Bahamas Bowls. They come back to win. Uh, I mean, Florida, Tennessee is up there. Or Florida, um, Utah. But I mean, I think that the one that will never be like imitated or duplicated to me is the LSU Florida State game. I don't think I'll ever see a, a game-winning walked-off block extra point ever. I don't think that'll ever happen in my life again. I would be shocked if that happened again. It's like getting striped by lightning. So uh, those are probably up there as uh, some of the bigger ones. I mean, the Pac-12 championship. Uh, you know, Utah uh, putting it to uh, Caleb Williams is up there, too. Uh, yeah, so off the top of my head, those are probably some of the best ones. That's awesome, Ben. So you've accepted a job with the University of Florida. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like I said earlier, I applied for it before this road trip, and um, I went through the process. I had a few people you know, in the industry recommend me, um, and uh, – Luckily, I was able to. They were okay with me interviewing on the road, uh, you know, in McDonald's parking lots and, and other campuses. And and now I just I'm at the Swamp Restaurant right now. My first morning in Gainesville, and I, I start on Monday. That's awesome. So what 
type of work are you are you expecting to be doing? Yeah, I mean, I expect to you know get in there and, and see what we have and work with our alumni and our coaches and our, our you know, student athletes to maximize their opportunities to you know profit on their name and likeness. You know, whether it's going out and doing education, you know, financial literacy, you know, just speaking and helping them. You know, I've already been on a call with uh, you know Mary, uh, uh, the volleyball coach, and she's fired up. I've never seen a coach so excited to just get started on something special. So uh, that gave me like chills just hearing her talk. So. Yeah, things like that. So, I know that Florida news for NIL for all the reasons. I don't want to focus on that circumstance. Instead, what I want to focus on is the future of NIL. Unfortunately, we've seen it become sort of this play-to-play model, which isn't really the intention. Ben, what do you think is the number one problem that needs to be solved in NIL and just spitballing what are what are some ideas that you have to kind of solve those problems sure I think um, your question is what's the number one problem with NIL right now and uh, if you go to and you look at any surveys from student athletes it's it's still education and it's also you know coaches you know I speak with coaches and administrators from all over the country on this trip and they still don't know what's going on you know they've there's athletic departments that don't communicate to their own coaches. Um, so, you know, in Gainesville, you know, my, my hope is to you know, get in there, work with Scott, work with Steve, work with Linda, and everyone on campus, you know, work with Billy. And, and, uh, and, and, and you know, I'm working over all sports. So I, I hope to, you know, meet all the student athletes in the next, you know, month or so and, and sit down with them and, and, and help them with their goals. And, and like I said, maximize their earnings you know that there's the people that are listening to your podcast are in the five percent that know about nil know the backing you know or have notifications on for any kind of uh you know drama or or, or good news uh, at florida but the other 95 percent have no idea what's going on and you would yeah a lot of a lot of people don't believe that but it's true you know i've been in zoom meetings in the past like you know, three months you know, just talking about basic stuff with NIL. And, you know, I've had coaches and associates and players, like, say, like, whoa, I don't even know this terminology, right? So, you know, we just got to, you know, at Florida, you know, I'm going to work with here to set the foundation and move forward. And, you know, I've seen and done some successful things in NIL, and uh, I hope that I can uh, have the opportunity to do that in Gainesville. What, is it, what does it look like in terms of getting athletes of all sports to be able to be compensated from their name, image, and likeness? Because we know about football, we know about basketball, we know about baseball. We know about the big athletes of maybe some Olympic sports, but how, how, how do you go about making sure that every student athlete who is at the University of Florida giving their blood, sweat, and tears for that Gatorhead logo is able to get something for their blood, sweat, and tears? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it starts with what do they want right like and not like what do they want like how much money they want it's like what do they want out of their time at the university of florida what do they want to do from a branding standpoint you know these athletes have been focused on you know becoming professional the ten thousand hours it takes to be an athlete right and now this new opportunity has opened up and some of them don't even want like you know you see a lot of our student athletes their accounts are on private that means that they don't want to promote themselves in that way and that's fine right but how do we um, find opportunities for those that want it. Sitting down with them, working with you know third parties, uh, you know Gators and I. You know, I don't know if you saw today, uh, uh, Market Price, which is a, a Gator-founded NIL company, uh, just did a team-wide deal at the University of Arizona with, I believe, softball and uh, 
I think the whole softball team. And I just had lunch today. And like, you know, we just did a, a team wide deal in, in Gainesville with the women's basketball team. And, you know, our gymnastics team is killing it in, in IL, you know, but it's underreported because the people that listen to your podcast and, you know, the people that are tapped into Florida care mostly about those revenue sports. You know, Leah Clapper just did a, a sweet Gainesville Vespa commercial. And I, I loved it. You know, now I'm like, you know, maybe I you know, take Betty to the side and get a, you know, my little Vespa and, uh, you know, things like that. So uh, it starts, you know, with having that conversation with them and having a conversation with the alumni and, and businesses in the community here in the state of Florida. We, you know, and, uh, you know, all 450,000 alumni. Uh, so we can do something special. And, and for those that aren't, you know, doing, you know, getting deals with collectives, we can that That's not, doesn't mean it's not going to happen anytime soon. So, uh, I mean, Dustin touched on this. I know, and I think everyone listening to this kind of knows you can't talk about specifics. We're not even fishing for that, but what does it look like in terms of a path moving forward to see some kind of results in, in a positive sense, obviously, for the Gators, uh, NIL endeavors as a whole. Because I think that, I think you know, because you're, you've been hired for this specific purpose, There, the NIL situation in Florida is not currently perfect, and we all want it to be perfect, if not as close to it as possible. So what do you think the path looks like to getting to see progress towards that? Yeah, that's the hardest question uh, and uh, answer to have, right? So when I interviewed at Florida, I asked, how do you define success in this role, right? That's what you're asking. How do I define success? How do you, how do the fans define success? And that's that's hard to answer. You know, on the back end, you know, if our student athletes are, you know, creating, getting opportunities and have, you know, a higher median, I don't care about average NIL. I care about the median because that's the number that matters. Because that means, you know, if so and so is reported to get a hundred thousand dollars, but you know, other person got ten, the average is what a hundred and ten thousand dollars a lot, like a hundred thousand dollars. But and plus ten divided by two, right? So like that stuff is and that that's all these companies out there report. Uh, so you know, for us, if we could raise the bar on the, the number in the middle, that means every athlete, the, the fifty percentile is doing that. That's good. And yeah, how do you define success? So it's like, does you know the NIL deals that we're doing is success for fans like on field success? Is it national? You know, headlines that you know are gymnastics team are you know all of our teams are getting deals like is it you know on the back end is success compliance is success like what is success uh and, but to me success is all of our student athletes you know that there's a survey every that's come out do the athletes feel like they have enough uh, tools to do it and it's like 90 percent of them say no so is it a metric where you know it's you know, 70% this year, 50% next year, 20%? And it's a, the students are saying is that the coaches are saying it. Like for me, it's like all of the above. You know, I want the I want the fans, the alumni, the student athletes, the administration to all see, say we're moving forward and it's successful. But that's the way I see it, and I could be wrong. I'm not I'm not perfect, but that's it's just hard if you're asking if that success means success on the field, right? Like all so, of our student athletes could make a million dollars, but we go own 12 in football and, you know, own 32 in basketball and we lose every gymnastics meet and lose every softball game. Is that, what is success for that? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that does depend on the individual, but you are the one who has been hired by the university of Florida. So I guess, I guess the way to, to wrap this up is just your whole journey, you know, the going back to your days at law school, George Washington, uh, going to college late going to you know going through covid going through that job you had started in november 21 then your journey 
in this 2022 football season where you go to 77 college football games. Take us through all of that and just tell us, what have you learned about yourself and what advice do you have to other people who are A, big college football fans, and B, just want to see NIL be headed on the right path? Because I know that you are now a great source of wisdom for both of those two things. Yeah, so uh, I'll go with the the first part of your question first. You know, advice or or just thoughts on, you know, experiencing uh, more that's out there. I've met someone at the Utah game that's tailgated in the same spot for 29 years. That's awesome. Right. That's awesome. But you know what else is awesome? Experiencing diverse cultures from all over our communities, you know, going to uh, Benedict College and getting drove in, driven into the game by the track and field coach. Who I just started talking to He's like, do you have a ticket? I said, no, sir. Up in my golf cart, drive on in, experience some of the best bands in the country or or going to, you know, Provo, Utah and, and having a, a maple donut and experiencing that or sneaking in moonshine in West Virginia and like, and, and hearing stories and, and being a part of what makes this, this sport so special, right? It's not just our traditions, it's every tradition. And, and, and going in with an open mind and an open heart and like be ready to you know, have some adult beverages or food along the way. Uh, and it doesn't take a lot of money. <laughs> I Like I said, at one point I had $60 in my pocket. I'm not this rich kid. My mom worked four jobs when I was growing up. My dad hasn't worked since he was like three, like since I was like three. The disability his whole life so uh if you want to do something in this space like i wanted to work in sports i interviewed for an, an an agent at a law school that the only reason i got the job the interview is because i went to law school with a guy who played at nfl for nine years and he was like you should uh you should talk to my my agent and i didn't ask for that he just did it for me so like if you do good work and, and put your head down good things are going to come to you um, in the atmosphere that you want it to be and then the second question is um they're going to know that you have someone on campus that has, has uh, you know, been in rooms with you know, the top donors of schools all over the country, the presidents of schools all over the country, with administrators of schools all over the country. I've heard all the concerns. I've heard all of the, the compliance issues. I've heard, you know, I've seen positive things working well. You know, I've seen a tweet of, uh, you know, NIL engagement that got, another six figure contribution to an NIL collective just from one tweet. Like, so it's one of those things where I've seen stuff that works. I've seen stuff that doesn't work and uh, I'm ready to get to work. So that's all it is. And it, like the goal isn't greatness. That's the expectation that you have. And I'm, I, under, I've already been subtweeted and tweeted at, uh, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I know that every time we get a commit, I'll get it. I may get one tweet. Every time we get a decommit, I get 30 tweets. Uh, but I, I know that that's a part of the, this job and, and my role and I'm fired up and, you know, it's uh, one o'clock here on a Friday and I step on, it's my first day in Gainesville, first morning. I, I got in last night and you know, Monday morning, I'm going to hit the ground running. Ready to get to work. Excellence is not the goal or success is not the goal. It's the expectation. That's, that's a good way to, that, that's a good way for people to think about you, that that's your mindset. So yeah. Ben, it's been a lot of fun having you on the show twice now. Uh, definitely appreciate your time. It was, it was very, very last minute to even make this work, but I'm very, very appreciative that you were able to step aside for a few minutes and and share your journey with us. So thank you so much. All the best to you. And hopefully we've got some commits in the near future that we can get you some of those positive tweets about. Uh, either way, uh, I'm fired up. I'm excited. Thank you for having me on. And my DMs are always open. You know where to find me. The, like, if you want to talk to me, just talk to me. anyone in the community. If you want to, you know, start doing opportunities with athletes, like I can't, 
I can't, you know, broker them, but I know the one. If you want, you know, someone to talk to about ideas, hit me up. Uh, and uh, obviously, go Gators! And I appreciate you having me on. Of course, man, go Gators! And uh, we'll talk to you down the line at some point. I'm sure. Oh, for sure.